haunted hot dog. <laughs> okay, good. That's Sorry. a good mic check phrase. Haunted, haunted hot, hot dog. dog. Haunted hot dog. My mic check phrase used to always be cold drinks. Cold. Yeah, I think mine. you've done cold drinks. Cold drinks. Haunted hot dog. It started when dog. I did this show. Uh, I did a Master Pancake Theater of Twister. And there's a part where uh, Bill Paxton goes, cold drinks. <laughs> it's really fun I, to say. Twister was the first PG-13 movie I watched where I like knew I was watching a PG-13 mm. movie. And I remember it scared the shit out of me when like Philip Seymour Hoffman got like a head wound. Yeah. It like scared. That the- movie scared the fuck out of me. I thought I was going to die in a tornado after that movie. The Less than a year after that movie came out, a tornado touched down three houses from me, and I grew up in New York State. Yeah. What the fuck? Anyway, <laughs> anyway. if I watched it now, I don't know how I'd feel about it. It's I, good. It holds up. I do like that the Carrie Elwes villain's whole like evil plan to rip them off was same thing but square. Yeah. It's so <laughs> it's, good. It's really good villain and work. And they have like a really good standoff at like a <laughs> diner. It's great. I Watch Twister. Turn this podcast off. Watch Twister. Hi, this is producer Nate, here to wrestle mansplain to ya. When we recorded this episode, Neville was still under contract with WWE. News broke just this week that he's now been released. So, if you didn't know that before, you heard it here first. And now, here's our episode. Welcome to WrestleSplania, the show where wrestling enthusiast Kath Barbadoro introduces wrestling to me, Rachel Millman, a new fan. Hey, man. Hey, dude. Man, you've had a day, huh? <laughs> Two days. <laughs> I've had a fucking week. <laughs> so, my home flooded. Yeah, we're recording uh, <laughs> at Rachel and Nate's house as we normally do. Um, we, we usually record upstairs, but I feel like things are a little uh, a little crazy around here. Cause, uh, yeah. The basement where you guys live in is underwater. Well, or was. Thankfully, no longer underwater. But due to the wonderful plumbing out front, with all its like personality quirks, <laughs> uh, it basically we had so much water coming underneath our door in our basement that it was like pushing the door outward. Yeah, and it was a flood. I it saw was a pho- I saw video of flood. it. Flood. Yeah. It's uh, the least fun I've had in some time. (laughs) I want to not be known as the person with the world's worst luck, but uh, God is a woman and she has plans for me. (laughs) So I don't know. Well, hopefully watching some wrestling was good escapism for you. It really was. And like, it's... It's always nice to have escapism because we live in 2018 and thereby hell. Yeah. But. <laughs> AKA hell. <laughs> thereby. Uh, but it was nice to be like, okay, I have to focus on this. And I believe our producer, Nate, felt the same way with kind of pushing through on editing an episode. <laughs> so, you know. Wrestling. It's good for a distraction. Get renter's insurance. <laughs> yes. Please. Everybody, please get renter's God insurance. Goddamn. It's not expensive. I fucked up. <laughs> Well, now you know. I'm sad that this is how yeah. we had to find out. It'll be okay, but everybody out there, learn from our mistakes. A 
attentive listener pointed out that you predicted this by saying live in a basement and have everything flood because that's how you get rid of all your shit. It's true, yeah. No, that's how I like pared down my belongings in a very constructive way. I feel like it's it's such an asshole move that I don't want to be like, just look at this as like an opportunity because that's like the biggest dickhead move you can ever do. Yeah. Uh, so today we're talking about uh, Pac, a.k.a. Adrian Neville, a.k.a. Uh, fuck, I just looked up his real name. Ben Ben Slatterly or something like Benjamin? that. Benjamin? Benjamin. Benjamin Slattery or something. Uh, yeah. So this is an interesting one because we, we wanted to do an episode on him partially because he's a really good wrestler. Yeah. Um, but also partially because he is in such a weird position with WWE. We're going to be talking probably a lot about WWE the next few weeks. And this episode is a good reminder that they are a shit company <laughs> who suck. So we'll get to that. But uh, um, we, we started we started with pre-WWE Neville. Yeah. Um, which Hunk Tear, West Coast producer Hunk Tears, uh, helpfully classified in our notes as Baby Pac. Baby Pac. That's how we started. I did not realize exactly how young he was. He's like 18 or 20. I think he's 20, yeah. So the match we watched, the first one we watched was a very old PWG match from 2006. Of um, It's Pac's first weekend in PWG. He'd wrestled one match for them before this. And uh, it's him versus El Generico, a.k.a. Sami Zayn. And I really fucked up here because I thought Rachel knew that El Generico was Sami Zayn. <laughs> And it turns out she watched it not knowing that. But it kind of gave me a cleaner intake on it, right? Because the whole point of this is that we don't, we don't want... we. I'm not a smart. Right, right. But, I mean, I think I... So I, you were like, who is this red-headed luchador? What a weird thing to be. I was like, <laughs> that's a skinny, pale luchador. But you know what? Anyone... Can, a lot of people are pale. It's fine. I, sure. like, completely... I now The second you told me, I was like, I've probably been told that. I, I like, most likely have been told that. Yeah. It just flooded out of yeah, my brain. Yeah, I should have I been more explicit about it. Um, it escaped my brain along with a lot of water escaping my now former couch. <laughs> it's fine. I'm trying... You had a lot to think about. It's, I did. It was, yeah. You, it, you are definitely forgiven for forgetting a, like pretty obscure fact given what we've watched so far that <laughs> I, I understand it's just you know <laughs> it's incredible how much information leaves you if you have to bail 400 gallons of water out of your basement but anyway <laughs> El Generico um and I I like Initially, because I didn't, because you guys, you and LB have talked about Neville. So I knew his name. I knew there was fucky shit with him in the company. I had no idea what he looked like. I had no idea what he wrestled like. So the match comes up and I just see, and like old PWG matches, they don't have the commentary or the in-ring announcement blended together. So it's like an audio very lo-fi it's an audio garbage plate yeah is what it is (laughs) it is a mush so initially i was like is that him i assume that's him i don't think he's a mask guy uh but the match i i enjoyed it it like very much early on is a match of respect because he doesn't move to el generico pretty early and generico's like look at him clap for him (laughs) which i thought was cute um and there's it just immediately I thought this one was interesting because it built kind of like a New Japan match to me. Yeah. In that 
I it's like starts off a little slow and it and it moves up and then it goes flippy and then it goes crazy and that to me from what I've known in my tutelage is that's that's a new Japan build. Hmm. But that's interesting. I like this match a lot yeah. because um it shows you in real time the match starts and El Generico is the clear crowd favorite. Yeah. Everybody loves him. Um, he's like a big fan favorite. And like you said, it's a match of respect. He's a big baby face. Like for most of his career as El Generico, he's a baby face. Yeah. And um, the crowd's all for him. And Neville, like I said, has wrestled one match in PWG so far. So people don't really know who he is. But by the end, people are all about him. Yeah. Like the crowd really, like you said, it starts slow and builds. The crowd really picks up and they're on their feet by the end. And this is an old PWG match. So this is not what it is now. It's not uh, crazy standing room only people super hyped. It's basically just any old indie at this point. Yeah. So everybody getting so into it, I feel like really speaks to both of these performers, their chemistry together, um, but particularly Neville getting over to that degree, Pac getting over to that degree is like really interesting to me to watch. A, respect match and like you can be friends with somebody and have a grudge match but it's a respect match but it also shows how much generico likes him um and how much generico because you it takes two people to get one person over right yeah, absolutely. and he goes out of his way to be like this is a person you're going to respect this is a person you're going to love and like these are all choices that these performers make like he could be like no i'm just gonna win and it'll be fine but it's like right. no let's build you let's see what we can make with you here yeah. and that is the true respect um but it is really a mark of like true shoot respect as opposed to kayfabe respect i uh was watching this i'd never seen this match before and um, the thing I was really struck by with with Pac is a lot of his movements. He reminded he reminded me a lot of um, Kenny Omega when Kenny Omega was a junior. I feel like he wrestled sort of similarly, where it's very extremely quick, extremely crisp. The way he so sharp. Yeah. Oh my God, he's incredibly sharp. And I was watching it, and I was like, he they they wrestlers only grow from here. Holy shit! How is he going to grow from this? He's so clean. Yeah, incredibly clean, incredibly athletic. Um, that sort of... It's interesting, too, because this match is, what, 12 years old now? This is old. And Ugh. I think that... <laughs> <laughs> I think that the way that indie wrestling has gone, like, this is really kind of ahead of its time, in a way. All this flippy stuff, which, granted, a lot of people don't like, and I understand that, but this is, to me, what, like, a PWG-style match is. And it seems like the fact that the crowd is so into it and it's 12 years ago and it's before PWG is anything is pretty interesting to me. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. There's some really cool, like, crazy counters in it. I mean, I've been on the record on this show as loving a Hurricane Rana. Yeah. And Neville's got a fucking great one. He There's one time where El Generico tries to suplex him and he somehow turns that into a Hurricane yes, Rana. It's yes, amazing. Yes, um, I will usually be like, oh, you know that point in the match where he did this and blah, blah, blah on this show. This is one of the few ones where I've written down timestamps. Yeah. To me, the second this goes from being an El Generico pure babyface 
match to, oh, we're building something special here is at 127 when Neville first goes over his shoulder. Mm. That was like, that like got this little like internal pop for me of like, oh, whoa, okay. This guy means business. This guy means fucking business, exactly. The other note I have written down here about this match is I just wrote, baby blue trunks, very hoggy. Because <laughs> you can see a lot of Neville's dick. <laughs> I have, like, some notes about, like, the actual moves, but I also just, I need to point that out. Like, you can see a lot of his dick. <laughs> Feel it maybe, again, this is an early influence of a lot of indie wrestling. Feel like this is an early influence of uh, maybe, you know, Fergal got some something out of this. Because Fergal sometimes does the baby blue, and uh, you can see a lot of dick. <laughs> you can see a lot of dick. You can see a lot of dick. <laughs> I don't know why that's so good to me right now. We, we, <laughs> this is like a primarily like we, th- our show is our show. We are known for loving the matches and also for loving some of the more aesthetic elements. Sure. Of this. It's an aesthetic sport, but a it's visual just, it's, art. I don't know why it's so funny to me that you were like, can see a lot of dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like looking through my notes and my phone. A mm, lot of dick. Gotta, gotta point that out. <laughs> um, um, the other match early in Neville's career is him versus Ricochet. Yeah, in Dragon Gate. So another thing that's interesting about Neville is he was an indie guy for a long time, but he primarily did work in Japan, is my understanding, um, or overseas. So he was in Dragon Gate for a long time. And Dragon Gate, particularly at this time, is known as like a place for all this flippy shit. Like that is my first note for this episode was flippy hotties yeah i mean <laughs> neville is like the er flippy guy he's he's one of the one of the big ones i think and you know there are detractors to that style and i'm glad that not all wrestling is like this no because then it doesn't make it as special exactly and also it's not something that everybody can do no and um, or should do yeah and Two people who can do it are fucking Ricochet and Neville. <laughs> Those are two people who really know how to do it. Uh, yeah, I am um, the to go back to the PWG match for a second. I get that he is supposed to be the heel, but he's so young and his hair is dry and he's very adorable. So he's very baby face to me. Maybe that's the other reason he reminds me of Kenny Omega is because he has that curly hair. That's mm. because junior heavyweight Kenny, Kenny Omega had trunks and curly hair like that. Yeah. And, just like, but there's something too about their the overemphasis of the movements and everything that, yeah. that reminds me. But I, I think that yeah, but cute he mop of of he's a little curly cutie hairs. in the PWG match. But when we go to the Dragon Gate one, he is he's clearly a heel. And like, I know I was missing the context for the PWG one of like, oh, maybe he's the heel, maybe he's not. Clearly the heel, clearly like the mean guy because his hair is wet, and also. <laughs> It's anybody fighting Ricochet, I feel. I, I want to see a Ricochet heel match because he's so cute that I'm like, no, he's fine. Whatever right. he's doing is right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't watched like a ton of indie Ricochet stuff, but uh, I feel like everything I've watched, he's been like more or less a good guy. He's just so pretty. He's very pretty. He's very pretty. <laughs> Sorry, I it, am what I am. It's, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's funny because all of the people, particularly Ricochet and, and Neville, like, all the people that we watch for this, like, started really skinny and then got uh, fucking big. <laughs> and, you know, again, I don't want to speculate about uh, what 
they might have done to uh, their quote-unquote uh, fitness routines to get that big. Any supplements? <laughs> Perhaps. But uh, it's, fun to watch. it's fun to watch the evolution of like they're, Neville getting beefier. They're both mid-big here. They're mi- Yeah, they're in mid-period big. They both <laughs> then later get bigger. I love mid, mid-period big and mid-century <laughs> modern. It's like the same thing to me now. They have clean lines. Yep. Uh, I uh, really like them. There's a, a move in the Dragon Gate match where he has, he's sitting on the turnbuckle and Ricochet tries to do the thing where he flips upside down and grabs him with his legs off mm-hmm. the turnbuckle mm-hmm. and he just doesn't accept it. Yeah, he just totally no-sells it. That's such good heel work. <laughs> that's that's a fucking heel. I don't that know. Is, that's interesting because I was kind of annoyed by that spot. So I, I'm i glad we have two different uh, interpretations of it. I just think that's a further uh, example of like, if people did this all the time, it would suck. Sure. But it, yeah. since, it's a, since it's a rarity and since it's especially a rarity for me, no selling that is like, oh, you're, yeah. you're mean. You're a badass. You're a, you're a little shit. Okay, I to- go for it. I totally agree with you about no selling. I think no selling. I said this on Twitter the other day about Ishii. Um, Like, too much no-selling or no-selling in the wrong spot annoys me because it's like, yeah, we all know this is fake. Like, you (laughs) no-selling is stupid. Yeah. Like, that's part of it. Like, if a buck no-sold, I'd be like, fuck you. I don't, yeah. It it works in certain places. Yeah. And to me, the reason I didn't like that particular choice of no-selling there is not because of Neville or anything, it's because I don't think you can no-sell a Hurricane Rana because a Hurricane Rana doesn't make sense as a move unless somebody is selling it. Like, because you can't do a Hurricane Rana to someone for real. Like, it doesn't work. You have to have the other person Leaning jumping into this you. centrifugal force. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, no-selling a Hurricane Rana just makes a Hurricane Rana look stupid. But that's heel work. He made him look stupid. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But I think that's a smart analysis, and I'm glad you brought that to the table. I mean, I, I think that uh, we both have valid points here. It's all a matter of preference. I love being valid with you, Kath. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, maybe it's because I have such a special place in my heart for that move. That, it's like, true. When it, it's like, so it's oh, a Hurricane on, Rana. It's a Hurricane Rana. Anything where you're flipping a guy with your legs like that is usually, that's what it is. Yeah. Shout out to Scott Steiner. I know that part. Yes. I know Franken- that part. Frankensteiner. Frankensteiner. Yeah, I know that part. I know that part. <laughs> uh, but I do. I I thought that is that was good heel work. Yeah. Uh, but the matches, I like that it's short. Yeah. I, it was like a match I wished was, and this is no one's fault, that we wish I wish we could have accessed in a higher quality. Yeah. Because it's on like some weird rip site. Yeah. Uh, I wish this show is the backbone of this show. Is yeah. God bless Russian tube sites. Russian tube and YouTube and <laughs> shared logins and all that, you know? But like I do, like I wish I could have seen it in higher quality because it is a very good match. Yeah. And it's very visual. So, yeah. it, you know, you need that, that higher quality. I agree with you. I think that when you're doing stuff like this, that's super, super athletic, super high flying, very stylized, doesn't really look like a real fight. It looks like pro wrestling Mm -hmm. and that's cool that's fine I don't need it to look like a real fight but if you're doing that kind of thing I think you need it to be short otherwise you get desensitized to it you know and uh I I think that given how short it is the pacing of it is really really good yeah I thought the pacing of the PWG one was a little off Mm -hmm. for my preferences but I didn't dislike it at all it's just like oh there's a lot of false finishes at the end there's so many false finishes but that's 
also to the work of making sure they get him over. Right. Well, and also, again, they're 20 here. Yeah, so they're, they're, exactly. They're babies. I, I think that, um, like, pacing and stuff like that, to me, and I could be totally wrong about this because I don't know how to wrestle, but it seems like you can use... It seems like you can learn the moves, not easily, but you can learn them because you have a physical prowess at a certain age. And if you're in great shape and you work really hard at it, you can learn the craft of wrestling. You can learn how to do all of these amazing acrobatic uh, you know, feats. And clearly, El Generico and Pac both have. They're both... Um, really good at executing these moves. They both do really cool stuff. Uh, El Generico is... We're talking about how quick Neville is. El Generico has that same kind of speed to him. He's so fucking fast. But... And that's great. That's sort of the craft. But to me, the artistry is putting all of those moves together in a way that is maximally exciting and tells a story. Yeah. And, like, the analogy I would draw is, like, I don't think, as a comedian, learning the mechanics of joke-telling is particularly difficult. It's you, you have to sort of be have a brain that is oriented toward it already. Like there are some people who are just never going to pick it up. But if you're somebody who kind of intrinsically understands um, like that the joke math, yeah, you can figure out how to tell a joke pretty easily. The thing that makes a good comic is shaping all of those jokes into a dynamic and compelling performance. And I find I find that analogy like that's what I think about when I'm looking at wrestling and pacing is like the matches you're set the moves are the jokes you have to figure out how to do them in a way that makes sense i love that you could probably (laughs) put that on a t-shirt and sell that to 25 very specific people but they would (laughs) love the fuck out of that shirt and i mean that sincerely thank you um that is a very very smart analysis so now we're at uh pock now renamed adrian neville which I feel like is just they they just picked out of a hat of like British sounding. Was when was he signed? Twenty eleven. He got signed in um, twenty twelve. So then they picked possibly because of Neville Longbottom getting hot. It's probably because <laughs> Neville Longbottom got hot. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how tuned in Vince McMahon and Triple H are to that, but I respect it. I just hope they are. Like Vince McMahon surfing the Harry Potter Tumblr <laughs> Tumblr tag. <laughs> just like oh, this kid he's really hot. <laughs> We need to name a guy after him. Long bottom. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so he's Adrian Neville. He goes to NXT. Um, He's, this is like, 2012 NXT is sort of the beginning of NXT as we know it today. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of our main roster favorites are on it. Like one of the um, matches, you know how they have like the dots on the bottom of matches on WWE, right? Where you can get see them? the have the breakdown of who's performing. Yeah, I um I like that when you click on the dot, it gives you the tail end of something because it's very smart marketing to make you be like, oh, I should watch this. And the one prior to it was Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like. One horrified by the na- the the move of natural selection, but two, yeah. both of those people are made in Austria now, so it's like yeah. a good example of that. Wow, natural selection is a fucked up name for a move. <laughs> I don't love it. Um, but Sami Zayn is there. Yeah, so we watched the um, he he signed NXT in 2012. We the match we watched is from 2014, um, which is. Uh, Neville versus Sami Zayn for the title. And this is, I believe, Neville's last match before going up to the main roster. Oh. Yeah. So 
um, they make a lot of, you know, they talk about how they've, they're friends and they've known each other and everything, which again, I think it's interesting that the first thing we watched is Sami Zayn versus Neville under, and I you didn't know, know. <laughs> different names with very different physiques, particularly Neville. Listen, there's, no, I love cranberry juice. You can love muscle juice. It's fine. It's totally fine. We've talked, this podcast is pro steroids. Make My your own choice. note for this match is cool juice, Neville. Yeah. He's looking like a fucking bag of bowling balls. It's crazy. <laughs> He is so lumpy, and like he ta- he's not—he's not a big. He's a little meatball. He's like how a tall little, is he? Uh, he can't be. I bet you, this is my guess. I'm gonna guess he's billed at five ten, and is probably about five seven. Eight. Oh no, he's billed at five eight, so he's probably like five six if that. So yeah, he's a little guy. Why didn't they just straight up go with like? Well, I mean, I know we watched a later promo where someone calls him Gollum. They should have just made him straight up Gollum. <laughs> that would have been a really funny gimmick. I think it is very cool how weird he looks. Like I'm really into his sort of strange. Like he's definitely, you know, like he's hot. He's he's handsome in like a weird way Rachel's okay. looking at me like okay yeah no weird well, way I guess what I'm saying is like I don't want to it's not that he's unattractive I, I find something attractive about him but he is not a conventionally handsome man and I like that I think you know what he looks like to me he looks like a little like uh like centaur god like a little trickster uh like a pan guy you know I mean he does look like a trickster god for sure yeah but I have caught some flack in the past online for saying that Steve Buscemi could get it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I'm on board with Neville could get it. He's an extremely weird looking man. <laughs> he's very weird looking. Like that's I guess what I'm getting at here is I think it's cool that he's weird looking. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> I don't want to shame you at all. Do <laughs> Whatever and whomever, and have a great time hey, doing thanks. that. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, but compared, and also compared to Sami Zayn, who like I feel like thick you, prints. Man, if you <laughs> were to like show me a lineup of like the WWE main roster or whatever, and I didn't watch any wrestling at all, and you were like pick the one who you want to kiss, I would probably pick Sami Zayn. He's like very my type. I like redheads. Uh, I like woke men. I like woke men. <laughs> I could go either way on ska, but like, you know. I had it. I got followed by the Aquabats today. So like, Yeah, it's a big one for me. <laughs> it's uh, funny too. Like, it's funny that Sami Zayn's like the ska guy because the other thing that LB made clear in our notes is that Neville loves reggae. <laughs> so it's like reggae versus ska, which... In that, the white person version of reggae. Well, no, I don't know what kind of reggae he likes. I am a huge reggae apologist. Like, I love reggae. I really do. I did not say anything against <laughs> reggae. I don't know that much about reggae other than that time I listened to a Bob Marley album when I was 20. Yeah, that's, um, well, that's what most people know. Or they know, like, Ross Trent, and it's like, okay, I get it. Or Sublime. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Is like, reggae is not Sublime. sublime. Also, Sublime is not good in my personal reggae opinion. Reggae is, like... It's like Toots and the Maytals. Like reggae oh, is like, I like Toots and the Maytals. Yeah, that's reggae. So I'm, you know, I want to give Neville the benefit of the doubt that he likes good reggae and not garbage reggae, but it is very funny to me that it is a ska versus reggae battle. <laughs> I have a feeling he likes good reggae. I hope so. I scanned his Twitter. He has good, he has a good reggae. 
Yeah, he's got good taste. Also, um, he said that he is radicalized by reggae, which means he's probably listening to like cool reggae because he's like a lefty guy too. So that's nice. What if he's a hotep? Oh, dude! <laughs> that someone should be a hotep as like a wrestling gimmick. That'd be really good. That would be a super good gimmick. <laughs> I would love it. It would um, be for like five people, but they would really enjoy it. Yeah, but I mean, there would be so much discourse around the Hotep gimmick <laughs> that I've already decided I don't want the Hotep gimmick. Fair like, enough. I don't thread. Like, I don't. <laughs> those people would be right, probably. I no, just... they would. There's no way to do it appropriately, but no. it's very funny to think about. Yeah. Uh,. <laughs> Anyway, we Sammy got- Zane versus Neville. <laughs> Oddly, this show has gotten off track. I would also <laughs> kiss Sammy Zane. <laughs> I, I definitely, I, I would smooch him. I mean, he's he's a babe, and it, in this match, again, thick king is what I keep saying every time Sammy Zane comes on stage. He's well, just so fun, and it truly is like a mark of how much charisma is a skill. And I will probably, I will die on the charisma is a skill hill because he has so much of it. Well. I think him being cute and then Neville being very weird looking. A goblin. A kind of a <laughs> goblin. He's very goblin-y. <laughs> it, it adds to the dynamic of the match, which is that Sami Zayn is the baby face that everybody loves and Neville's getting booed out of the building. Like he's people, a wet goblin. He's a wet goblin. People <laughs> do not like him. They're, it's rare, particularly in WWE and particularly these days, to have the crowd really full united behind a baby face. And, you know, we watch some stuff where that, like Gargano's great for that. Like there, there are a few things where it's set up that way, but this is one where it is so clearly, you know, it's not like the PWG match. It's not, Neville's not winning them over. People are like, boo, you suck. Neville sucks. They're doing the Olay chants, which is, I was wondering if you'd pick up on that if you didn't know. El Generico was Whoops. Sami Zayn. <laughs> Whoops. Because they're doing ole, 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 which is like the old, you know, yeah. El Generico thing. Now I know, and now that makes sense. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I guess that was the chant of the day, whatever. <laughs> it's completely, I'm so good at thinking about this. It's cool. But I will say, without knowing the Generico Zayn link, I, one of my notes was, feels like a PWG match at NXT. Yeah. So you I was it. right. You figured it I out. I was right. There are a couple spots in here that I feel like echo back to yep. that first match. Absolutely. All the stuff with, um, I, I, Sami Zayn, I, I think all the stuff he does where he like bounces off the ropes is so cool. I love it. Not enough people do that. I think that is kind of a Lucha thing, but I, yeah. it, I really enjoy it. And uh, he uses it to, to great effect here. The wrestling in this match is so good. I kind of want to, I would love to know about, and this is not anything I think you could ever really extrapolate on, but if you've been wrestling someone for as long as they've been wrestling each other, your muscle memory for your moves and your muscle memory with this person must, must be so finely attuned. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're definitely watching people various people have matches against each other in various promotions and over at various points in their career a lot of times you see they will do the same spot yeah so it's like a thing of we we know this works we've done this before i can this do gets this with you. Pop. i Let's can go. trust you yeah. yeah so i i definitely think that's true um what i was gonna say i is- love his uh sammy has a leg submission spot in this 
where he has him caught and is holding him against him with his leg. And I thought that was just such an, like, it's not like other leg submissions I'd seen, or maybe, maybe the filming angle was just what was different, but it was so, it was so crazy looking that I was like, this is beautiful. Yeah. This is gorgeous wrestling. Yeah. Um, I, I think this match is kind of cool. Cause I think it shows you how you don't need to reinvent the wheel. If, the wrestling is really good because the character work in this and the story that it's telling is so cliche wrestling and it is great. It's fine. Like I'm, I'm happy watching it. I'm really entertained. The whole thing when Sammy has um, like the moral struggle. Yeah. Like Neville brings the belt to the ring and then Sammy picks it up and the ref is down. There's like two ref bumps in this and, <laughs> It's like, oh, do I hit him with the belt? Do I hit him with the belt? And it's like the oldest like story arc in the world. But it also goes back to how Neville kind of looks like Gollum because it's literally... Okay, hear me out. Neville is Gollum, but like the belt is the one ring and Sammy is like tempted by well, what the evil says. power. Like it's so funny that it's always like this, yeah. I'm tempted by the evilness. If right. I turn heel and get what I want. Right. Um, but I do think it's very funny that he literally looks like Gollum and he's <laughs> tempted by a one ring. Also, the NXT belt is hysterically ugly. I it's think so it's, ugly. It's so I was yeah. so affra- I was genuinely afraid to say that because I was like, what if I'm the only person who? No, I don't. It's very ugly. It's an ugly belt. <laughs> but so the thing I was I was gonna say though is like the fact that it is so. It's not necessarily obvious because it's like, okay, there's one of two paths. Like, either he does turn heel or he doesn't. But we've seen both of those paths nine million times. But that doesn't take away from it because when people are really doing their jobs and the crowd is really into it and people are, you know, performing at their highest level, when it gets to that point, it's like you're playing the hits at that point. Like, I want to see a ref bump. I want to see, like, all that kind of corny... Give me journey. Yeah, exactly. Give me journey. And they totally do, and it is well executed. So it's like, who cares if it's a basic story? You don't need anything else. Like, I'll watch that story a hundred times. And you probably are going to. Yeah, (laughs) and I probably have. And I, I will continue to if the wrestling is this good. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting about this, which I think will probably lead us into our next topic, is like, this match is so fucking good. These guys are incredibly athletic, unbelievably talented, and they're both doing nothing on the WWE main roster right now. Like, Sami Zayn is not really he hasn't really gotten like even a push. He weren't having rotator cuff right. surgery. Now yet. he's injured. Yeah. Even before that, I feel like he wasn't really doing much. I mean, they, they put him with Kevin and that's always great. Cause they have great chemistry or whatever, but like he, he hasn't really gotten like time to shine. And then Neville is off. So it's like, how, how can WWE have a talent roster this deep where they're, are so many good people that these guys are just kind of languishing. Like, it's so frustrating and to me. And we're on our nine millionth, like, Jinder Mahal push. Right, exactly. I mean... Like, Jinder Mahal has a place on the roster. I will I will gotta hear both sides of my own statement. <laughs> Jinder Mahal has a place of entertainment for me, especially within WWE. He's big for the sake of being big. He's mean for the sake of being mean. He's problematic for the sake of being problematic. I get why that works in WWE, but I don't need a half hour with that. 
Well, my thing is more like, it's not that they're necessarily pushing the wrong people because, I mean, you can make that, you can certainly make the argument that they are. But for me, it's more just like, you have so much talent. Everybody they have, they have so many wrestlers and so many of them are amazing. It's just hoarding. It's hoarding. That's They're not doing anything with half these people. And it's such a bummer because like, all I want is to see wrestling like this all the time and I don't get it and it bums me out so for the listeners who don't know what is going on with Neville at present yeah we should probably backtrack a little and bring everybody through the whole saga yeah I think. yes so after this Sammy wins Neville goes to the main roster hey he kind of doesn't do anything weird <laughs> And then he has like this weird feud with Stardust, aka Cody Rhodes. We watched a little bit of that. That was my first time seeing Cody Rhodes, and it was as Stardust. As yeah. Stardust, <laughs> what a bad character! He tried. He, he tr- really he, tried his hardest. I like knowing what I know now, and reading that excellent uh, long read about him, and like his when he was in WWE, and they were making him do the Stardust thing. It's like this truly is not his fault. Yeah. Like, he is, woof, he deals with some shit. Also, this is my first time actually watching Sammy wrestle. Yeah. I feel, we really were amiss by not talking about that. You had not, I mean, you saw him at WrestleMania. You've, like, seen, I, I think you saw I, him. I, like, saw a dot of him at WrestleMania. Right. And, like, yeah. And I've never but, seen him do, like, a serious one-on-one match. Yeah. Not that I don't love the, the Yep movement and the Kevin-Sammy <laughs> stuff, because it's so much fun, and they're very, very charming people. But I hadn't actually got to see, like, the reasons for why Sammy is beloved is not just be- because he's thick or because he is charismatic or because he no, likes he can Scott. fucking wrestle. He can fucking wrestle. <laughs> I'd never seen it before. Yeah. So this was a huge delight for me. Yeah. But to, I just wanted to get that out. Yeah, so. totally. Um, but uh, he gets he gets this push to the main roster. Yeah. We? He, he gets the main roster. He kind of does nothing. He has, like, a weird feud with Stardust. <laughs> it's very silly. Uh, we watched a couple clips of it. Is I We've talked so much about how body hair is, like, contouring for wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Stardust gets the paint on his, on Neville's peck, it's like, oh, they could also be using highlighter. I didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get, like, a cheek impression of Stardust's face paint on Neville's peck, and it's like, ooh. Like, can you imagine if, like, Milk Makeup decided that that was their new marketing? <laughs> was for, like, oh, we're going to contour. I feel like people sticks. would probably appreciate that over oil, you know? Then they wouldn't have to be so oily. I mean, we already have so many parallels to like drag and stuff. But yeah. can you imagine if they did like chest contour to That'd make their pecs seem bigger? It'd be so good. I'd love that. They probably do. I know they do that when they airbrush tan you. Yeah, they airbrush also, the abs on, right? Speaking of, Sami Zayn totally contours his like belly hair to make it look like a six pack. Just keep an eye out. Like, he totally does. <laughs> I love my king. <laughs> Uh, no, it's that's that's really funny. Yeah, uh, I also think the uh, the tanning of Neville is super funny because it's this pale young child. Right. Yeah, he gets progressively <laughs> bigger, wetter, and tanner throughout <laughs> the years. Bigger, wetter, tanner. That's <laughs> my favorite Daft Punk single. Thank you for I said you. I knew where you were going. <laughs> I like to give people bait. You know, it's fine. Uh, so he he fights Cody. He has this weird feud with uh, 
Stardust, Goldust. Stardust. Stardust, my bad. The funniest part of the feud to me is when they were doing the post-match uh, promo and Cody attacks him from behind and you can see him coming at him. That's yeah. super funny to me. So he kind of does nothing for a while until um, the advent of the Cruiserweight division. Yes. Um, 205 Live. And, you know, like, Neville is, I, I think, one of the most athletic wrestlers we've watched like I, I think he's up there with like Kenny Omega yeah um and and Ricochet's up there too I think but uh you know he's like he sort of personifies what I think they want a high-flying cruiserweight to be yeah so they start this cruiserweight division and uh th- that we've talked about on the Zack Sabre Jr. episode they kind of they don't really know where they want to go with it enter Neville so Neville comes and like immediately is he call he calls himself the king of the cruiserweights and he like basically comes on there as a heel and is like I can't believe you motherfuckers are trying to do this show without me I'm the <laughs> king of the goddamn cruiserweights he wins he's wrecking shop uh you know all that stuff and uh it's rad but then sadly uh Big Cass and Enzo, the tag team of two idiots. Big Kaz now. Big Kaz. Big Kaz. <laughs> I know Cass is Kaz, Cass, whatever, <laughs> is a shoot asshole politically. Big Kaz is so funny, it becomes <laughs> art for me. Big Kaz. Yeah, so if you don't know, that's what he's being billed on as in the indies now, is Big C-A-Z-Z. <laughs> I think he should just go full on Big Ass, because he used to come out and there would be this big banner behind him yeah, that said yeah, Big yeah. Cass, and it, he was tall, so his head would cover the C, and it just said Big Ass, and it was great. <laughs> that was my favorite thing about Big Cass. <laughs> But yeah, he and he and Enzo Amore are a tag yeah, team. And we I also want to say I know I said Big Cass is a shoot, not great person. We are not unaware of the <laughs> Enzo right. Amore issues. Right, yeah. These are two not great people. Um, but they're really over as a tag team, and then they get broken up to have a big feud. Cass in sort of true cast fashion this has happened to him multiple times in his career he gets injured right when he's supposed to have this big push so they're oh, I like i think i saw some of that on divas right yeah yeah, yeah his yeah. leg was fucked up yeah so they don't really know what to do with enzo but he's super popular and even though nobody likes him in the locker room yes so this is like the beginning of that so he's super popular with fans People don't really like him backstage, but he like sells a lot of merch and he's very, you know, he's, he's a big deal. 205 Live is not doing great. Um, pre Neville, it was doing even worse. Then Neville got there. It became like a decent show to watch, but people weren't really watching it. Yeah. So Enzo, they don't know what to do with him. He's kind of a shitty wrestler and he's little. And no one likes him. And no one likes him, but he's selling a lot of merch. They're like, let's put him on 205 Live. See if we can give this show that kind of nobody watches a shot in the arm. So they put Enzo in there, and he immediately becomes the champ. And he is a heel champ. Like, he's a cheater. Like Yeah. The read on Enzo is pretty much that the character that makes him a really fun heel is unfortunately how he is in real life. Like, he, to use the wrestling terminology, he worked himself into a shoot, I would say. He's so corny. He's, he's so tacky. Yeah. But that, for a heel, is fun to watch. It's just totally ruined by his real-life 
uh, despicable action. Being a piece of shit. Being yeah. a piece of shit. But he's man, he's a fun promo. Like we watched some some stuff because we watched. I was elated that even his mic was as tacky as he was. Yeah, he comes out with like a shitty old like Frank Sinatra mic, like an asshole, covered in like a leopard <laughs> thing. So yeah, we watched the clip of, of Neville beating him up and uh, all the two hundred five live guys like cheering because it is. I mean, again, th- this is. It's fictionalized, but it is based in a real thing, which is like all these dudes on 205 Live have worked really hard to get here. And are really talented. Yeah. And Enzo is a product of the Performance Center, didn't wrestle on the indies, didn't really have to work to get to where he is because he, he was just a good talker. Yeah. So, he's got shit hair. He's so <laughs> awful to look at. He's a great. He's a great. That's the thing. Like, Neville, weird looking, but I don't like, I'm not like. Ups- my eyeballs are not upset. Oh, yeah, no. Enzo, upsetting to look at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is a Harmony Korean movie standing. Yeah, it's no good. He's, he's, it's bad. Um, but yeah, so Enzo comes in and, and like all these dudes have to like job to Enzo and they're like, fuck this. This sucks. Yeah. Um, which leads us to the fact that uh, Neville eventually, I, I think last fall, Um, apparently walked out of Raw and has not been seen on TV since and no one has really seen him. Um, The rumor is that he asked them to terminate his contract. Yeah, so it's unclear as to why. There are a lot of rumors as to why and I know we're going to get a lot of people tweeting at us with like, actually, this is why or like, actually, I heard this happened. That is conjecture. Yeah, I'm just going to talk about like what is known, which is very little. Um, There's some possibility that it may have been over getting cut from the Wrestlemania DVD which cost him a lot of royalties it could be because he didn't want a job to Enzo he didn't like the way he was being treated um there's a lot of things it could have been but but the 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 scoop is basically that he asked to get be let out of his contract and he wasn't and now he's just kind of stuck he can't wrestle for anybody else but he also won't come back so that we that's where Neville is now I just talked at you a lot. So no, let me- no, no. I it just it stinks because like I understand like there's several there's several layers to every time a beloved indie hero gets signed, and we I don't think we should go into any name specific here specifics here. A lot of beloved heroes have recently been signed or are probably going to be signed in the future. People we love to go see, people we feel fortunate to be around and to be able to be in incredibly close proximity with. I don't blame anyone. For taking that money. Absolutely not. I don't blame anyone for saying, you know what? I've been broke for 10 fucking years. I've been busting my ass. I'm never home. I live on planes. I'm going to take the money. Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? This is, we said this on the first or second episode. Something like this would not exist without capitalism. Yeah. And we, they're all victims to it. But like, I get why they're hesitant to have their heroes be signed to this and be married to this. Right. Well, I mean, this whole industry is very exploitative in the way it is set up um, in terms of, like, the labor position of the talent. But WWE really drives that home because it doesn't have to be this way for them. I mean, granted, it doesn't have to be this way for anybody, but on the indies, like, the margins are so thin profit-wise 
it you feel like it's not a necessary evil, but like, yeah, we live under an unethical capitalist society. WWE has billions of dollars. Yeah. Like they don't need to treat their talent this way. And yet they do. Yeah. And that is very frustrating. And so I don't know how much we've talked about this on the show, but with WWE, and again, I'm not an expert on this. I don't know a ton about um, the contracts or anything, but I do know my understanding is that they have exclusivity clauses. They can't wrestle for anybody else. And yet they are not considered employees they are considered contractors please unionize yeah if anybody's listening <laughs> unionize 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 it's <laughs> terrible it's that is like you get the worst parts of both things you get the worst parts of being a contractor and the worst parts of being an employee and they work them so hard for really not a ton of money the people at the top are making good money the people in NXT, I think, like, the top people in NXT are probably making six figures. But, like, low-end six figures? Yeah, like... But, and, like, you can yell at me for saying this. If you're on TV, that's not the craziest amount of money. Yeah, well, like, and also their work schedules and their travel schedules. Yeah, their schedules, work schedules, exactly. They're really punishing. And so, even without the mistreatment and insult of having to fucking job to... Enzo Amore who sucks like you're you're in a kind of a tough spot and I think like Neville standing up for himself is really interesting and like hopefully inspiring to the other people in this position the problem is that he's in a really weak uh negotiation point because he's in this contract and I think he has about two years left and the rumor is that they have frozen his contract so that it is it's by dates that he has made appearances and not by chronological time. So like the fact that he has not appeared in uh, almost a year, that just means that's another year he's going to have to work. So he he's that's what I've heard. I also there's some debate about whether he is being paid at this time. They're not the same, but that reminds me a lot of Kesha's contract woes. With Sony, how she wanted to be released from her Kesha's. Con- Kesha's. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. With with how Kesha wanted to be re- released from her Sony contract mm-hmm. and didn't want to fulfill the amount of albums she has to do. Yeah, because who can blame her? Right. Yeah, and so it it just sucks because like, especially if they're not paying him, which we don't know if they are, but he can't do the one thing he, he loves to do. He, he's been doing most of his life. He can't do his job for anyone. Because he won't do it for WWE, which is like, how are you a contractor at that point? Like, it just makes me so mad. It's so frustrating. And like, I think I don't know what it's going to take for it to change. I think it would have to be somebody bringing something like this to trial. But WWE has so much money, they can just buy anybody off. Yeah, they can just buy they they it's never going to see a courtroom. So like the fact that these contracts are legally unenforceable doesn't matter because they will never see a judge yeah and because everybody's sort of like reputation is at stake like if you are really going to go up against the wwe you have to be prepared to never work in this industry again because they have such a monopoly and it fucking sucks yeah yeah i'm so glad everything is owned by six companies (laughs) yeah it's it's great we love it it makes us all happy (laughs) Um, Sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really badass though that he hasn't gone back. Like I appreciate that. I mean, that's kind of like 
we everyone loves a victory story with a happy ending, but there are a lot of victory lessons to be learned from victory stories with less than happy endings. It takes a lot to make a stand. It's really yeah. scary. It's really, really scary. And that's not just in politics. That's not just in feminism. That's not just in forms of me too or whatever. Even in this, like it is scary to make a stand and good for him. And yeah. I hope, it reaps benefits that leave him happy and not just the viewer happy. Yeah. I mean, I want him to come back because he's, I love seeing him wrestle, but I want him to be able to come back on his terms. And yeah, I just, I, I hope that the other people who are working under these conditions recognize that what he did was really brave and really cool. And I think they do. Um, I think they do. I think it is a byproduct of their industry that a lot of them just kind of have to be like, it's cool what he did. I got to keep my head down. Completely. And again, again, like we don't fault anybody for taking this, taking these jobs. Like go be on WWE. That's like still, it's getting more money than I'll ever make in my life. Yeah. And it's getting better, but it's still pretty much the only path to a secure salary in this industry. And maybe new Japan. Yeah. I mean, new Japan, but New Japan pays so, way less. Mm. And, like, I don't think, I don't think, I, I you know, I, I can't get into it because I don't, I don't know the numbers. But there's a, there's a few ways. I mean, like, Young Bucks are doing well. Like, you can do, you can make an okay living on the indies if you're in the top of the indies. If you're a hustler. But, yeah. But, like, WWE, you go into that performance center and they give you $60,000 for a year. And it's not a lot, but it's better than, uh, you know, riding the mega bus and getting 50 bucks and killing yourself for a lot of these people. And I totally understand that, you know, it's guaranteed. It is, it is money coming in. Yeah. And a lot of these people have families and you know, they, that's the goal. And it's the, the trade off you have to make of, you know, artistic fulfillment and, uh, all of that stuff. It's, it puts, part of living in a fucking horrible capitalist society. This is probably like the most overtly leftist episode we've had, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, it puts also a weird light on... Um, do you remember when we were punk teens and ever, we were all mad that like all of our favorite like bands were selling out and signing to major label records? It makes me look back on that, that now and be like, wow, teenagers especially don't know anything because I don't blame any of those bands back then for oh, yeah. going back and doing the same thing. It's no, the sell- same grueling schedule. Selling out is like more or less a fake idea to me. Like I don't think that that is a real thing. I think I mean there's degrees of it. Like if you work for a fucking defense contractor, like go fuck yourself. Like there are certain things you you can do that I'm like no, you're you don't get to shrug your shoulders and say no ethical consumption under capitalism. I- but in entertainment I'm whatever you got to do. I, I had think. a temp job offered to me where I would have to, where the job was to work for a car company, subleasing cars to Uber drivers who could barely speak English. Yeah. And I saw the APR rates and I was offered it and I turned it down. Yeah. I couldn't do Good it. For which you. was like a stupid move on my part, probably. I need to pay my bills. I need to make rent. I need to, you know, have any savings at some point in my life. I'm. I don't blame anybody. If anybody's listened to this and they do that, I can't blame you. It was yeah. just something that in my heart I couldn't do. Yep. So, in conclusion... In uh, conclusion, fuck WWE. We live fuck in a capitalism. So- fuck, fuck capitalism. <laughs> we live in a society. Nationalized grappling. And- <laughs>
nationalized grappling. And now that we've talked about uh, capitalism, here is a great reminder: you can sign up for our Patreon. Yeah, man. <laughs> keep us keep us paying our bills. Um, uh, none of us have steady employment at the moment, so you're helping us out. I have steady employment in a wet basement. So like, <laughs> oh wait, no, that sounds gross. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> That's our Neville episode for now. I hope we can do another episode. Right. Neville I hope episode. he comes back on his terms. I hope he either comes back in WWE and is the top paid dude and gets everybody else unionized or he gets on the indies and we go see him and we buy all his merch for being a goddamn hero. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, twitter.com slash WrestleSplania, Instagram, WrestleSplania on Instagram, WrestleSplania at Gmail, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania. And we'll talk to you next week. We love you. Bye. Bye.